Hey, what is up, everyone? It is April 2nd, 2019. Welcome into this edition of Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps, and joining me right now is Luke Monger of Dogman. Kook fans Jackson Garner will be joining us for the second half of the show. We had some scheduling conflicts, so this is what we're doing. So, Luke, this past Monday was UW Pro Day, and we yeah. got some great storylines coming out of this. Taylor Rapp, he ran a almost... 4840. I mean, that mm. could do some damage to his draft stock. I mean, Miles Gaskin ran a 456, which was very similar to what he did at the NFL Combine, and we'll be getting into that later. Jojo McIntosh, he was on a mission to prove the doubters wrong because he was snubbed, according to himself, a Combine invite. Mm-hmm. But none of these storylines come close to the intrigue that Jake Browning has generated after allegedly showing off his shiny new rocket arm in front of an estimated 26 NFL scouts. Apparently, he spent the last two months training with 3D Quarterback Academy or something like that, 3D QB. So, Luke, I'm going to throw two questions at you, and feel free to answer this any way you want. Was Browning's arm really that much different to what we've been used to seeing over the past four years? And what does 3D Quarterback do to magically improve people's arms like this? So first of all, I would say it definitely looks stronger. However, with Jake, I feel like I remember there always kind of being this trend that in the off season, like you go to like, or let's say spring ball and then fall camp, he would, especially in drills look like, Oh, like Jake's arm is definitely improved this year. Um, but that's because there's no, like there's no pass rush, you know, like I think that, it's easy to make it look like your arm strength has improved. And this is nothing uh, like against Jake because his arm looks stronger even than it ever has in any other camp setting. But I think it's easy to kind of show off your arm strength when you don't have people trying to kill you and there's no defense, you know, stuff like that. Um, however, I think that his arm compared to any other non pass rush, non live defense situation that he's ever thrown in looks significantly stronger. And then I think, I, I don't know if it's, do you say 3D quarterback is the name of the, the group? 3D QB. Yeah, That's 3D the name QB of the training center. Or, or whoever it may be. I don't know if there's any s- secret formula other than the fact that when Jake was at UW, you know, he was a business student and he, uh, like, I don't know, was grinding in the film room and stuff like that. And that was talked about him kind of being a coach on the field. And now I feel like these past two, three months, all he's been really focusing on or had to focus on is getting stronger every single day, specifically getting his throwing arm stronger. And I think for that reason, uh, he's been like, I think just the fact that he's been able to focus on really just that, because I think that's obviously his biggest, uh, downside, or at least the the thing that people are going to critique the most that he's just been able to focus that and just grind away. But yeah, he looked strong. uh, Here's the, here's the thing with the quarterback training center when you're preparing for the combine as a skilled player, as a defensive back, you need to work on your, you know, your 40 time, your mm-hmm. eye test, your cone drills, uh, defensive back drills. But when you're a quarterback, the only thing that you need to work on, I mean, realistically, is your arm strength, is your arm accuracy. So when you devote 40 hour weeks to one skill, like I said, he doesn't yeah. need to do much except for getting better. Eight hours a day, five days a week, probably working on Sundays as well. Best quarterback mm-hmm. training academy in the country. I mean, this place, and, and this is my opinion. I mean, they, they've trained Tom Brady. They've trained Drew Brees. They have a track record. These last few years at UW, especially in the offseason, Browning, 
you mentioned busy guy. He's in the school of business. You know, he's got to go to meetings, yeah. film. You got to prepare with the team, team workouts. I think he had off-season surgery uh, following his uh, sophomore year, right? Or was that his freshman yeah, year? Yeah, he did. He did. It's after his sophomore year. Yeah, so I mean, he was a busy guy in the off-season. But to me, if his arm strength really got this much better based off two months at this training center, which is fairly new, but I think he at least was aware of it in, in previous years, he really should have taken two months during his UW run, not in the summer because that's when you know football activities also take place, but in the like December, January time period, maybe during a winter break, go down, train, get your arm strength up, and who knows, that might have helped his UW career so much in the long run if he had taken that opportunity earlier in his career. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that that's a, another thing that has kind of been going through people's minds naturally is just like if he can clearly improve his arm strength this fast, then why didn't that happen when he's at UW? It seems like a no-brainer. It really does. Yeah, I understand school and all those parts, but this is, his, this, is his, this is what he wants his job to be, is to be an NFL quarterback, and yeah. that's priority number one <laughs> part, yeah, outside, of, of, uh, outside of UW it, football. If Coach Peterson or Jonathan Smith, when he was the OC or in quarterbacks coach or Bush Hamden, was ever – not necessarily not encouraging him to work on his arm strength, but never really made it a priority, which I think is interesting. But one thing about Jake Browning also that's interesting is you mentioned uh, that with 3D QB, Tom Brady's worked there and kind of the best of the best. Uh, Jake Browning also every year would do the Peyton Manning Passing Academy. So he's always been one to kind of surround himself with a lot of talent. I mean, like he's met, I think he met Gardner Minshew. Uh, at the Peyton Manning yep, Passing yep, Academy, previous and, years, uh, yep. and uh, Jarrett Stidham, and quarterbacks like that. So I think th- that that's an interesting thing about him. But yeah, that arm strength thing is definitely something that I think might catch the attention of Husky fans. Like, wh- why didn't this necessarily happen when he's at UW? The only thing that I could possibly think of is that it was just never something that Husky coaches prioritized um, or told them to prioritize. Uh, but I don't know what else they'd be telling him to work on. <laughs> there was nobody behind him at the time that was pressuring him to improve. If Eason had come in as a, a true freshman and really pushed Browning for that starting position, maybe he does take that take those extra steps to ensure that he keeps starting quarterback job. But if the coaches, like Chris Peterson, I feel like he, like Jake Browning's is that's his boy. Like that's kind of like he he loved him. Like he, sure. he was there. He was a, he was the franchise quarterback for UW. So. Perhaps uh, he gave him some, not so much wiggle room, but didn't put as much pressure on him to improve uh, in the physical aspect of his game as far as arm strength. Like, obviously, when it comes mm-hmm. to the IQ level and in the film room, Chris Peterson probably had <laughs> five-star expectations for Jake Browning. But uh, he, Browning probably never felt any pressure to, to change uh, his arm strength because and, he didn't have anybody around him pushing him for a job. And, and another thing about Jake that I think is interesting is he's always had almost like a defiant streak you know, in his personality, um, especially when it comes to media. Uh, so I think that like, so if you tell me what to do, I'm not going to do it almost, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I understand I, that. I, I kind of feel that. So maybe the, just the fact that media has been all over his, his arm, arm strength, strength for yeah. years that he was just like, you know what? Screw you guys. Like I'm going to do me. And then now he's kind of talked to his people and they're like, I think the one thing, yeah, I think you should work in your like, <laughs> barring you from being like a guaranteed NFL draft pick is your arm strength. And he said, oh, you know, what? OK, fine. Now it's time. <laughs> because when we envision a Browning deep ball, I think everyone's go to memory 
is him chucking the ball 40, 50 yards downfield, and it's underthrown, and John Ross has to bail him out, and he ends up scoring a touchdown anyways. That's what people criticize Jake Browning and his arm strength for, is those deep balls and, and getting his receiver in a better position. And, mm-hmm. and, and that... And that was kind of a you know a sophomore year memory for Jake Browning, and it never really changed over the course of his career. In fact, I felt like at times he was not even throwing the deep ball at all anymore. You know, it wasn't even a part of his repertoire. And and now, be uh, based off his pro day performance, you don't think that's going to carry over onto the field because we've seen times in Jake Browning's career where he comes in during spring ball and during the regular season, and he looks like a new quarterback. But then mm-hmm. after a while, we try we we find out that he is the same Jake Browning as he was the prior yeah. season or the prior time period. Yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting to see kind of how the next few days, or, I mean, the the, the, the months progress. I mean, if, because, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's that point as well where people will kind of want to see approve it, like, against some defense and stuff like that, and you can't do that until he actually... Yeah, until he shows up at a camp. Yeah. So, um... But, you know, I think the one thing going for Jake is he's a 39-win quarterback, and I think at the end of the day there will be GMs that will just think he's a winner, and which he is. Um, and so that plus the improved arm strength, I think, is going far to solidify his, his draft stock as someone that will be picked on the third day Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, Browning, he's skyrocketing up to a seventh-round pick now. <laughs> I mean, there were, there were rumors after his sophomore year that he could be a first- or second-round pick. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was. Do you think that? Do you think that if he left after? And I know he. Here's the thing: he couldn't leave after his sophomore year because I believe you have to be three years removed from high school to be eligible. But if you look at his age, he was three years removed. He was three years removed from 18 years old. Yeah, that's what. That's what I'm saying. Like he was a year. He's older. He's a year older than his class, which would suggest if if he were eligible to leave after that year and did, I bet he would have been a first or second brutal pick. I mean, the issue obviously was that that was the offseason that he had shoulder surgery, but that could honestly help him in, in a way. You know what I mean? Just be like, oh, shoot, he threw 43 touchdowns, and then he, he played with a hurt shoulder at the end of season two. It could have been even more if he stayed healthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting. Well, a player that, uh, if he was healthy, might have done a better performance at the uh, Combine, uh, the Pro Day Combine, uh, was Taylor Rapp. I mean, he ran a yeah. really... Freddy 40 it, apparently it slower was a Jake, four <laughs> was it really slow did jake browning run slower than 477 well no i was gonna say yeah no jake oh, jake had an official 474 at the nfl combine oh that sucks hey were these hand timed or laser timed at the uw pro Day? i have no idea i think I well think you would know if it was laser timed because they would have had the machine set up yeah. they would have had the equipment you right know there i'm not the, I, I think it was i think it was hand timed yeah that sucks so he ran a 477 uh, hand timed, and that was apparently slower than Jake Browning. I mean, is it the hip flexor injury? Because to me, even if his hip flexor is healthy, right. his ceiling seems to be in the four six range. I mean, he's not going to yeah. improve by point three seconds. It might be kind of, but I'm not. I'm not convinced that it is because he ran a sub four second twenty yard shuttle at the combine, which is amazing. You know what I mean? So. And that, that, that seems like the, it'd be something that's when that, you like run around the cones, right? Like you do. That, uh, that's the one where it's like five, ten, five. You know what I mean? With with the three cones out, or uh, no, it's so you start kind of in the middle, and then you go five yards to either your right or left, touch the ground, and then ten yards back across, touch the ground, and then come back through the middle. 
Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think I call that the eye test, but yeah. the eye test and the uh, the forty are completely different concepts. I mean, the yeah, eye but test I, really I feel like it would be harder on your hips. There's not a lot of correlation. Oh, oh, right, with the hip flexor injury. Yeah, yeah that's brutal. Like, yeah. I feel like it would be harder on your hips with a bunch of lateral side to side movement than just running in a straight line. So okay, so if it's not the hip flexor injury, then that four seven. I mean, I'm gonna assume the hip flexor is better. I mean, it's been a few months. Yeah. Since, like uh, I'm sure, I'm sure it's slowing him down a little bit. But like you said, I don't think his his ceiling is like I don't think he's I don't think he's ever ran a forty in the four fives. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Yeah, like I I I don't know. I mean, he's he's just not. For, I mean, for a first round pick, I mean, I know speed isn't everything, but you would like him in the four six range. Yeah, no, and, and I think the fact that matters it's going to like scare people away. And and the other thing is a little bit some teams. That, I mean, the the. There's a reason that he did every drill except for the 40 at the combine. Like, obviously, he had the hip thing, but he was healthy enough to do every other drill. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so if, if you're healthy, he, what are you hiding from us he at just, the combine? He and his, his agent or whoever is kind of in his ear and helping him through this prog- or process is just letting him know, hey, like, this is where your shortcoming will be. Uh, it's a pretty – I mean – that's I because everybody like you talk about the the twenty yard shuttle like that people forget about that really fast. Yeah. I mean I don't I he he did seventeen reps at, on bench press and nobody talks about like the amount of stock that goes into a forty that people talk about long term and that, that four seven seven is going to be following him around probably for the rest of his life as far as uh, he could if he turn if he goes into the NFL and he turns into a starter you know Pro Bowl level talent then obviously nobody will, will remember the four seven seven no but there was a, there was a WC receiver that didn't make it into the NFL I don't even think he got picked up by a team I think it was Tavares Martin that ran a four eight yeah he ran like a four eight something the four eight is his legacy now that's that's what people remember that's, yeah, his, no, that's the last impression from him 100%. so uh, that's not gonna be Raph's last impression he's gonna get picked well yeah and the know. other thing is is it wasn't at the combine too which I think helps I think if he did that at the combine for some reason it just would have stuck with people more although a 477 at the combine electronic time at least it's honest at least people like have like a hundred percent valid yeah like because it's 477 I mean remember our theory with the the Zybex sports the testing yeah. on the hand time <laughs> I, I, yeah I think that that I think that Taylor's number that, I mean, if that if that was true about Taylor's four seven seven, and it was actually like in the four nines, I just have a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> you think there might have been a mistake? You think there might have been a mistake? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. He's, he's six foot, two hundred eight pounds. He's not a large safety. He's not. Uh, he's 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 not he's not gonna blow you away as far as just a physical specimen. And the good thing he has going for him is that he's a very uh, solid tackler. You know, more yes. than solid. Like he, he's somebody that open field that player is going down. So that's the one. That's one one of the many things he has going for him. And uh, we'll find out, man, if he's going to be a first or second round pick on draft day. It's looking probably more like a second round pick right now. And then uh, another player that ran the forty was Miles Gaskin. And look, I think a lot of NFL teams want to fall in love with him because of his project- production at UW, mm-hmm. uh, his consistency, his, he's not really injury, uh, he's not really an injury prone guy whatsoever. Uh, he ran a four, five, six. And, uh, and like I said, man, with the Zybeck sports model, that means Gaskin really ran a four, seven, eight, because this was, this was, this was hand timed. So if this guy, is this guy like, what does he bring at the NFL level if he doesn't have the speed? Like, can he overcome? Can he overcome that and still be a productive NFL running back? Yeah, you know, I think he can. Um, I think what he brings, it, it's hard to kind of quantify what he brings. You know what I mean? Because he's sub two hundred pounds, and he he isn't a burner necessarily 
in the combine. And, and he's a guy that you kind of have to lean on the production and, and say that there must be something there. Um, he, oh, there definitely is something there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, a, so, but it the shows the on issue, film. The issue with test, yeah, no, but that's the thing. And like the, the issue with testables is you might be able to look at like I don't know his his shuttle or, or his uh, what like yeah I don't know his, his forty and say oh look there's something there that we can point to that explains why he's so good but there just isn't you know what I mean so it's just the fact that he was able to make college runners or I mean college defenders miss you know he he was wiggly enough that he could wait for an opening in the offensive line, kind of get through it, shake a defender, and then fall forward. And will he be able to do that in the NFL? I, th- I think probably, but there's nothing evidence-wise from his testables uh, that indicate that that's the case. So whoever ends up taking Miles Gaskin is just betting on the fact that th- there is kind of an X factor that he has that uh, not many... Or, or that, yeah, that, that that is worth an NFL pick, but there's no evidence of that until he actually starts trying to make NFL tacklers miss. Yeah, a lot of uh, the Utah players, uh, and and honestly, anytime you do a pro day style event, everybody's gonna say the the, the measure the the times don't prove that you're a good football player. I mean, there's mm-hmm. this football talent, and then there's ability to be tested. And uh, and I think Miles Gaskin is just a good, talented football player. And and if you put his talent inside a six-two, two hundred twenty-pound body, he'd be a Hall of Fame level talent. Yeah. So, uh, and we'll, we'll see how much that slows him down on draft day. It didn't slow him down at UW at all. He was clearly a, a playmaker. Yeah. For uh, but sure. you, so UW spring ball, it's going to start up this Wednesday. Absolutely. And and I I love talking about the offensive side of the ball. You know, a quarterback competition. It's going to be so much fun. You know, mm-hmm. following what happens with the depth charts. You know, who's who's going to take the the first team reps to start out. I mean, running back rotation is going to be fun. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the playmaker? Uh, Marky Spiker wide receiver, right? These guys, these yeah. are these are fun storylines. Absolutely. But what's just as important to the Huskies uh, this spring ball is finding out who who's going to be the difference makers in the secondary. And there are a couple names that I think everybody likes, everybody trusts, and that's Miles Bryant and Elijah Molden. You know, the nickel, nickel, nickel. I think Elijah Molden, corner and nickel. You know, Miles Bryant. Hey, hey who knows? Maybe Miles Bryant will play safety and uh, and nickel this year. But you know. A name that's being thrown around is a potential starter at one of the corner spots is Keith Taylor, which I get. I mean, he started a couple of games last year in place of Jordan Miller when he was hurt. And, you know, Jordan Miller is obviously an NFL level talent. So Keith Taylor had some big shoes to replace there and he did quite well. Good size, 6'2", 200 pounds. Uh, he's long and he has good speed. But you know who else is 6'2", 200 pounds that's yeah. long with good speed? Our good friend, Dominic Campton. Yeah. I mean, this guy... He is he is a track star. He is he is physical. Mm-hmm. He's an Arizona product, and Taylor like okay. Keith Taylor was a four star recruit, and Dominic Campton was a three star recruit. But man, these guys opposite sides of each other is one of the most swag ideas of all time, right? <laughs> it, it it's good looking too. You know, I mean, it's like so prototypical. Get him in some visors, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's an interesting combination. I mean, I think th- there are so many similarities you can draw between the two, Do- like Dominic Campton is interesting because, like you said, I mean, he's from Arizona, which ha- like has a lot of talented high school football teams. Great high school football area. Yeah, 6'2", 200 pounds, was a track star, and for some reason he was just like a three-star recruit. And That's but crazy, man. The Huskies, <laughs> I mean, and I, I obviously don't know like what the scouts saw because uh, I never watched him play live, but, but the Huskies were all over Dominic Campton and offered him early, and he committed early, and they were just – content with that you know 
And so it's just one of those where it's like, is there something that Jimmy Lake sees that, that no one else does? Or what does what do the people not see in the 6'2", 200-pound track star corner? Um, but yeah, I mean, they're both obviously super enthralling just because they look like people that you'd create in Madden if you were doing like a... Like I, what, what, what's what's even what's the game mode called where you create a player that's a rookie and oh yeah no I, I it's it's like Road to Glory in NTA yeah I, I I think the, the Madden version of it has kind of gone to the wayside because they want to feature that storyline like with yeah all the, the they're clips copying the, like two K and Madden both do that yeah which is kind of frustrating yeah you can't the create a player mode is not storyline driven anymore just making somebody and yeah. giving them four different wristbands and then putting them in onto a team. But I mean, th- these are guys that, I mean, and they're NFL caliber size, at least size wise, you know, and speed wise as well. Like these are the type of players that have NFL level ability mm-hmm. and they're young guys as well. You know, they're just kind of getting their feet wet right now. For sure. I mean, do you think that Keith, uh, Dominic Campton can line up opposite of, or of Keith Taylor on, you know, during spring ball, or is it this going to be Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor? Cause I mean, I think I think Elijah is good at nickel right now. I think Miles Bryan is there as well. I it just it's just kind of interesting. Like, yeah, where do you want these guys to line up right now? There's a lot. There are a lot of moving pieces. I mean, the the way that it's kind of gonna be, it sounds like, is that four of the five starters, with the fifth being the nickel, like will be Miles Bryant, Elijah Molden, Brandon McKinney, and Keith Taylor. But it's just like where. Obviously, Keith Taylor is gonna be a corner, and obviously Brandon McKinney is gonna be a safety, and then. The, like Miles Bryant could play safety and Elijah could play nickel or Miles Bryant or Elijah could play corner play corner. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of it will depend not so much on those four, but on the fifth person who steps up. So like if Julius Irvin steps up and is one of the best defensive backs on the team, he'll probably play safety and then that'll put Elijah Molden out wide and at uh, corner. Right. Yeah. 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 And then Miles, Miles Bryant in the slot. But if Kyler Gordon, kind of built off his four, 42 and a half inch vertical and just continued to wow people, then he would probably be the fifth starter at corner. And then that might push Miles Bryant back to safety and Elijah Molden in the nickel. You know what I mean? So, so or if it, it were Don Hampton, you know, so it, it, it just kind of depends on who that other guy ends up being. And you talk about that core four, you know, Keith Taylor, Elijah Molden. Yeah. Um, uh, Miles Bryant and Bryant, uh, Brian McKinney, right? Brian yeah. McKinney is the, mm-hmm. his first name is Brian, right? Brandon or Brandon. My bad. Br- sorry, Br- yeah. Brandon, Brandon McKinney. Uh, uh, is Keith Taylor really solidified though in that core four? Like, is he, is he really have that one of those corner spots locked down or could it be a situation where we see Kyler Gordon and Dominic Campton start at the corner spots or, or, you know, no Keith Taylor out there um, uh, at, at any of the positions or is he really a part of that kind of that prestigious class with Miles Bryant? I think that he's not necessarily locked in as much as he's considered a favorite just because, like you said earlier, he has two starts under his belt and he played in every game last year. So he's just kind of like... You like, need somebody on opening day, exactly, right? You need somebody yeah. to start out. It's like how Jay Kaner will be the, the first quarterback to get reps for the Huskies. Uh, that, I, I want to compare it's, those. it's a little more... Okay, but it's the same <laughs> principle. It's the same principle that yeah. applies. Like, just the fact that Keith Taylor is now the corner in the room with the most starting experience... Uh, so for that reason, he will be the first corner or he will be part of the first team defense, uh, because he's been there. It's a combination of having been there the longest and played in the most meaningful situations. 
do you see Keith Taylor and, and there is a difference between the left side left corner position and the right corner position do you see Keith Taylor because left corner is typically where you put your number one starter that's like yeah. where Byron Murphy plays I mean mm-hmm. and, and I believe in UW's defense they don't they don't they don't like follow number one receivers if Byron Murphy stays no, on they one don't side follow, I don't think yeah so do you, do you think Keith Taylor is the number one corner that they would put him on the left side and then put Elijah Molden on the right side that's a good question I don't know I mean I I think it'll kind of depend what for for some reason in just the way that I visualize it. I mean, I've, I've, I've pictured like Sidney Jones being the left corner and Kevin King being the right. And then, um, you had Byron Murphy left and, uh, Jordan Miller, Jordan Miller, right. right. So maybe just the aesthetic of kind of like the grittier, smaller defender that kind of sticks to you like glue being the left Hmm. corner. And then the big physical, um, guy that's going to give people a hard time off the line of scrimmage b- being on the right. And I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't no. know why I imagine that. But for, for some reason, that's just kind of how I assume it goes. Um, Keith Taylor, I mean, I, I think the thing about Elijah Molden is he he's just so lightning quick and athletic that I think that he'll most likely uh, end up being the guy on, on the, the left, left side. Interesting. Yeah, just okay. because, like, I don't know, other than, like, Nikhil Harry and people like that, when I, when I think about great Pac-12 receivers in recent years, I'm thinking, like, Brandon Marshall, uh, in, in in players like that who are kind of on on the smaller, quicker side that that need someone that can really just kind of stick with them step for step. And I think Elijah Molden has a better chance of being that guy, while Keith Taylor um, is a person that can get up on the line of scrimmage and kind of take like take away the other side of the field. You know what I mean? Well, I mean if you look at the Seattle Seahawks when they had their Legion of Boom, you know Richard Sherman, quick, uh, good man coverage. We're playing the left side, and then Brandon yeah. Brown or the big thumper. Yeah, play on, on the, the right, right side. side. It, it's it's mm-hmm. very common to, to follow that. Keith Taylor would definitely be more of the Brandon Browner type on in this secondary. Yes, and Elijah Molden probably better at man coverage. So, but so UW spring ball it starts this Wednesday. Uh, when are the open practice dates? Is it just the spring game, or is or are there no, other so opportunities? It, I can pull up the email right now, but essentially. I think 12 of the 15 practices are open, uh, which is nice. I mean, so we will be out there quite a bit. Uh, just the occasional Saturday practice is closed. But for the most part, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday is available. Um, what can, time are the practices usually? They're 8.30 to 10.30. A.M.? Yes. Oh, nobody's coming to that. I know. Well, so that's the <laughs> thing. I mean, everyone, like the, you start to see media become less consistent uh, with their like participation, which is quick. strange because like, usually the first couple of days are totally. I mean, you don't get anything taken yeah. away from that, so, and so, then and then by the sixth or seventh one, you're kind of starting to see something of a first and second unit come out. No, yeah, no, which is interesting. I mean, people just get tired. I think I'd say probably the middle of spring ball is the least attended, but <laughs> so it starts this week. It ends April 27th on a Saturday, right? And there's practice basically Monday. Wednesday, Friday, Saturday for these weeks heading heading up. This Saturday is closed. Next Saturday is closed. Next Friday, or then the following Saturday or Friday and Saturday are closed. And then the Friday before the spring game is closed. And then Saturday 27th at noon is the spring preview. So it sounds like a lot is closed, but it's not. That's not true. I mean, everything else is open right now. Everything during the week uh, plus the spring game. So mm-hmm. just because it sounds like four or five practices are closed, I think there's 15 totals. So there's yeah. still plenty of opportunities. Definitely. So so right now Jackson Garner is going to join us, and he's going to be talking uh, the quarterback competition between Gordon and Tinsley, and you're going to hear that right now. All right, so the WSU quarterback battle continues to rage on, although it's not really a train. It's more like a slow crawl because I swear, Jackson, Gordon and Tinsley – 
have been at each other's throats for over a year now, and I never hear that one has the upper hand on the other. Yeah, I feel, I don't know, I feel like neither probably does. If you had to choose, if it was a, a gun was held to my head and said, choose one, or or choose who you think Mike Leach holds higher, I would say Gordon, just because he typically shows, he, he comes out first, he's usually the first one to to take the team reps, and... But you know, I I think that only goes that only carries so much weight. It's close. It for sure is close. But and I feel at least a little more qualified to talk on it. I actually got out to practice last week. Got to see both of them throw. Got to see uh, Cam Cooper throw. Got to see Gunner Cruz throw. So I feel <laughs> I feel a little more qualified to to speak on it. But I I, it, I definitely can confirm that that Gordon has the edge and whether he has separated that distance or separated that lead i i wouldn't feel i i wouldn't say that you know still just uh what so i guess this is the fourth or the saturday was the fourth practice for them yeah so they practice still, something they, like that yeah so there's still plenty of time there still kind of a lot going on in terms of installing things in the offense and just trying to to develop a rhythm so well, I mean, well, you know, it, it is it is we always want to to say oh who's who's in the lead, who's separating themselves. I you know, I don't think it's that stage of the quarterback battle yet. I don't think anyone really is separating themselves right now. Well, um, I mean, it's been over a year now and neither one of them has made a name for themselves as a special quarterback and, and, and if any of these guys were special, it would have happened by their 5th year. I say push them both aside, make the quarterback Gage Grubud who, by the way, he is back right now. He is allegedly only wearing a small knee brace during practice, and he's throwing in the quarterback receiver drills, uh, but it's on the sideline for the uh, team, you know, the 11-on-11. Like, is the injury really resolved right now? I mean, what is it? What, how serious is it? Uh, you know, that's because I don't really know. You know, it's it's hard to say. It's hard for me to even speculate. I, I really don't know a whole lot about you know, kinesi- I would that, what would that be? Kinesiology? I think that's that's the correct term there. We can just edit that out if that's wrong, but I don't think it is. Uh, so, I mean, it's just hard to say. The last time I saw him, which I'm pretty sure that report came out on Saturday, um, the last time I saw it on Thursday, he was still in the boot. So, I, I did read that, and I was pretty pretty shocked to, to see that. Granted, when he's, you know, he's still, he's not hurt enough that he can't throw when he was wearing the boot. He was still kind of, you know, just leisurely passing with his teammates and stuff. Um, but I would say, yeah, there are positive signs there with Gubrud. Especially just watching him throw with a boot on. Cause, you well, know, yeah, I mean, throwing is not think, it's not an arm exercise. It requires a lot of lower body action. Yeah, and Very I mean, strenuous. it was it was leisurely. Like, I, I, I emphasize the leisureness, <laughs> uh, the leisurely... Uh, was he throwing to receivers or was just no, kind of no, on the no, sideline? No, 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 This okay. is just I, on the sideline. I, I could have sworn that he was, like I said, not in team drills. No. Uh, but when it just comes to warming up, you know, receivers running fade yeah, routes, like he no. was hurling them up there. Uh, yeah, I think a, a little bit. Like, no, like he's he, he hasn't thrown against, like, any defenders yet. He may have thrown, like, you know, some deep balls, but it's very just, like, casual stuff. I'd Not still a lot of say, zip on it right now. yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I think he is probably done for the spring. I don't think they're going to bring him back. 
You what know, do you mean done for the spring? Once you want him to continue to improve on, you know, getting more involved with team activities, I think they want. You don't him shut healthy. them. You don't shut them him down though. You continue to you ease him back in. You know, well, he I starts mean, off by throwing on a sideline, then eventually by the end of spring ball, hopefully he's running with the team. Uh, I. You don't I lower wish, his activity. You, I wish you it don't that decrease way. his level of activity. That doesn't make any sense to make it to shut him down at this point when he's already back on the field and doing some activities. He's not back on the field. He, he's throwing, which is more than he was, what a, he was doing at the beginning a of spring ball. Okay, but I mean that's that's very different. Throwing a football on the sideline to a receiver or to a coach is very different than throwing a football in the pot. You know, there's no point in rushing it. You're not going to put him back in the boot. He still has all summer. You'd rather have him just take his time, get healed, so you have a quarterback and another option at quarterback come fall rather than try and play around with it. Oh, you need, he needs more time to to get involved or to get acquainted to the system and rush something and he gets hurt again, you know? It's just better with these things to, to take their time. And if he does come back, you know, great. I, but I don't think if I if I can just try and put myself into the shoes of WCU's medical personnel, why would you why would you rush this guy back? It just well, doesn't make a whole lot of sense for spring ball, so he can compete for n- relatively nothing. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. Well, during quarterback drills, he's already taking a leadership role. This past Saturday, he was giving some fatherly advice to John Bledsoe. On how he can improve his footwork and, you know, giving uh, the youngster some tips, the, the young gun, even though he's not that young. I think he's like a retro sophomore right now. If you're one of these other quarterbacks and you see Gage Guru coming in, you know, Papa Guru, leader, uh, ch- trying to, you know, coach up the youngsters, I think that would rub me the wrong way if I was one of these quarterbacks competing for a job. And I'm talking Tinsley and Bledsoe. I mean, what if they start giving tips to John now? Uh, Tinsley and Gordon, what if they start giving tips to John Bledsoe? All I think of a sudden, they do that. <laughs> They yeah. do. They, they do. I think it's, it's it's a very they you know Yes, it is a competition. Yes, they're all fighting for that story, but they're they're a relatively close group. Um so I I don't think anyone is offended or anyone has bad blood. Uh and, and I for the most part I think a lot of people respect what Gage Gruber did at Eastern Washington. You know, a lot of the, you know, they were on the it team some when weight, when Gruber beat <laughs> when beat uh, when he beat them, you know. Even Bloodsoe was a tr- was that was his true freshman year, so there are people who who remember that you know know who he is and understand that he's a he's a good quarterback. So I don't think anyone like looks at him too much as an outsider. They've they've accepted him, and obviously the the circumstances are unfortunate, but um you know they're 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 kind of getting him inclimated and and accepting his kind of feedback, if you will. Well, it's also worth mentioning this past Saturday, Gunnar Cruz ran with the number one offense. And this is just Mike Leach giving him an opportunity, see what he can do in the spotlight. And apparently, uh, Gunnar Cruz, he's only 17 still. Like, I understand he was an early enrollee. Yeah. But his birthday's not till October 12th. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, that makes him, he's a freaky prospect. I mean, if he's that developed, you know, at, at that, at that point in his career. Yeah, I it's wouldn't go of. as far as to say he's that developed. He's a big dude. Um, and he th- Arm strength is there. He throws well. I, Maturity is there. I, uh, well, that remains to be seen. I don't know. I don't know. I think just the. I don't know how you say the maturity can well, be seen. Well, anytime we you're an early enrollee and you're running with the ones and you yeah, know, you're, you, you know, you have a lot like of confidence. To think, yeah, 
for 17 yeah. years old i think that's impressive no i do i do think it is impressive like if if you're showing that you don't like you're willing to come to college early in the name of football and, and skip all those kind of like high school you know like prom and and all that kind of stuff it does show a level of commitment but at the same time being mature in in high school is a lot different than being mature in college on your own when you're you know a student athlete it's just a different reality i guess i guess you could say i'm i'm just impressed man this guy should be the class of 2020 and he's he's rocking it right now in in 20 you know what's interesting i've and i was cuz i was doing some uh some research on some of like the older class like classes from wsu from like the 80s and, and the 70s and, and i don't know if high school was different or or when kids were enrolling but like a lot of kids were 17 like when freshmen true college? freshmen yeah yeah, yeah. Which I was just so that. bizarre for me. <laughs> I was like, "How are all these kids so damn young?" But yeah, you never hear about a nineteen-year-old freshman like in, no, in the eighties and nineties. Everybody no. was summer birthday. All right, we're we're we're, yeah, we're rolling we're now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, we're not waiting. Sixteen. All right, let's just say seventeen. Yeah, Get yeah. him in. Probably uh, has to do with body development these days. Uh, you know, I think back then there wasn't as much uh, different. Uh, like the 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 difference in body size between at the professional no, level I, and the I college think, level. No, I think. Well, I mean, yes, that's true. But I th- I think it's something to do with like I, society I don't, I don't expected. Know. It's like, no, society it's expected people the, <laughs> to move along quicker. No, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> kids are. It's not. There's not, nothing to do with people's body sizes. That's kids are 17 when they're coming to college versus 18 or 19. So, but I, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, so Gunnar Cruz is getting some opportunities with the ones, as is every WSU quarterback. Uh, in the backfield right now, Max Borgie is the only running back in WSU's roster. So Cole Dubots, the linebacker, turned running back. He played a little running back in high school, but he, he is what he is. He's a linebacker, but he continues to rumble along. Uh, but there was a recent verbal commitment of a California running back named Jiden King. And then also this fall, you have another couple of freshmen coming in. So it looks like Dubot's days as a running back might be coming to an end sooner rather than later. I mean, if I'm Cole Dubot's, I'm pissed right now because I want to get real reps at the linebacker position. And if I'm running scout team running back, I'm not getting many looks uh, with the ones and twos. Uh, in, uh, in WSU's linebacker rotation. Now, now when uh, I get it, like when the WSU is running their offensive period, it is a scout team defense. But if you would, I feel like it would distract him from his primary role, which is competing for a linebacker spot. And no, on the I mean, chart. I what would I, I I disagree entirely here. I think Cole Dubots has a, an unbelievable opportunity at running back. Um, you think it's going to carry over into the regular season? Are they are they really? I, I don't know. I don't know. To but that extent? I think you have and hear me out on this. Listen, there are, there are quite a few linebackers that are ahead of Cole Dubots. That's just the truth. There are not a whole lot of running backs who are ahead of Cole Dubots, and that is just by the sheer numbers. Cole Dubots is the number two running back right now, and and yes, I, I saw him and, and watched him run. He ran with ones. He ran with the twos, purely out of necessity, but granted, that is still reps with the ones and twos. Um, and Oh, one of the plays in their team drills, he lowered the lowered his shoulder and just laid the boom on the goal line. Like it was unbelievable to watch. And, and so he is ru- he is rough around the edges. It's been a while, but he was a really talented high school running back is what I've been told by his teammates. 
So I, I think there is actually more opportunity for Cole Dubots at the running back position rather than linebacker. And also because, first of all, not every everyone can get hurt. What I mean, if Max Borgie is to go down, Cole Dubots is looking at getting serious time. Yeah. Like that's that's just gonna happen. It, it, but also to. you you can't just put in a true freshman that's well three practices yes. into their career and also running back. We don't, you don't know what's you what you can expect. I mean, granted, they know kind of what they can expect from their fall guys like Juvon Zubazil and, and Jameer Thomas. They have a good idea, but it is just different when you put the pads on and you actually get out there on the field rather than what you've seen from their film and everything else. It's just different. And you don't know until they come to fall and they're in Lewiston and they actually start playing. And what happens if those two guys show up and it's just obvious they're not ready? You yeah, know, maybe they don't like Lewiston. Maybe they don't like the, the lifestyle of uh, of working in that cruddy environment, and they're not giving their full effort. Okay, they come back to Martin Stadium, <laughs> and they're still not the same guys. They 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 are a little bit behind than where WCU thought they or may have wanted them. Yeah, you know, uh, thirty days is just to to become a starting running back, and all of a sudden you're in a situation. Even if Max Borgie is healthy, all of a sudden you're in a situation. We need someone who's going to be able to take six or seven handoffs a game and catch two or three passes. And I, do I think Coley Botts can't do that? No, I, I, I think he, he probably could. We have to remember that WSU is an air raid offense. So if they, Cole Dubots can catch some passes at a decent rate uh, and it can take six or seven carries, people don't know this for the most part, but Gage Grubert led Eastern in rushing yards and passing yards his sophomore year. So, uh, he has experience. Uh, really, I know, feel like everyone knows the that. Rushing yards. <laughs> I feel like if I had to guess, like for one of like Gage, you like, think take, so, Jackson? Take one you of think Gage Gubert's good years. I would say ninety nine point nine percent of people that follow Washington football, I barely even heard of Gage Gubert. What? No, they follow. They know UW. They might know a little about WSU. But, no, that's the thing. Both. Oh, I, no, I guess that, you know they did not play uh, UW because I was going to say both teams had played against Gubert, but that. That's not. Uh, that was Vernon Adams that WC or UW played against. That's. Yeah, that was I would a guess. While ago. I would guess Big Play VA <laughs> is the one that the casual fans would know more than Gage. But people, Gubert. no, Gubert I'm hasn't saying been around like, a while. He people hasn't, knew. Hasn't done people in a knew long Vernon time. Adams. People knew Gage Gubert, dude. Like I. <laughs> people know who Gage Gubert is. That's that's for sure. People on the west side. People on the east side. Everyone knows. I would say a lot of people know. All right, if you say so, Jackson. I, I really believe that. Uh, a lot of people on the West Side never even, didn't even know about Goober until they arrived at WSU. If they're Eastern college, Washington fo- football if they're have college football fans, yeah, if it, they're it, college yeah, football if they're, fans. if they're serious college football fans for sure, because then you'd have to know a little about Eastern Washington football and, and you know how their season they're is. They're one going of the powerhouse like <laughs> D one AA teams. I don't know I, how. I, you- I don't disagree with you. I think I think they're a great program, but I I don't want to overvalue how popular Eastern football is around the states. So. Uh, another injury right now, it's not just Guru that's out. It's also Jameer Calvin. Uh, it's a lower body injury that we believe he suffered during midnight maneuvers, uh, allegedly. Like, we don't know for sure. Spe- yeah, no one but, knows. you know, Calvin was rolling around on a... F- uh, Jameer Calvin was rolling around on a scooter uh, for the first yeah. few spring ball practices. But this appears to no longer be the case. I mean, what's the situation with him right now? Yeah, uh, so I don't know... Um I wasn't there on Saturday. I don't know if he's off the scooter and walking in the boot or if if maybe he was just kind of had like a like a rehab thing going on. 
Um, so I, I really don't know. I could tomorrow, tomorrow I will definitely know for sure. But, um, I would say if, if there's any chance Gage Gubred will come back this spring, there is, whereas there's zero chance Junior <laughs> Calvin's coming back this spring. Like he is for sure. There's just not enough down. receiver depth. We need, we need him back. It's like the running back situation. That's we the thing. I, more I, of them. I feel like everyone is very comfortable with Jameer Calvin's knowledge of the offense, with his skill set, and instead of trying to, you know, tune him up, which which feels probably unnecessary at this point, they just want to have a healthy Jameer Calvin and know what they're going to get as soon as he hits the field. Um, you know, it's it's just not worth. Like I said, Gage Grubert, you can understand trying to like, okay, he needs to take live reps in the offense. Jameer Calvin, not so much. Yeah, he, he has it, taken he his fair nature. share of reps. And, and I think right now it is mostly just getting healthy. So there is an opportunity uh, being thrown out there for Cougar football fans. And this is pretty interesting, so I want to get your thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. It's called the Cougar Quarterback Classic, and it's taking place the day before the Crimson and Gray spring game yes. uh, in Spokane, Washington. For the very yeah. reasonable price of $2,500, you and three of your buddies can golf with WSU quarterbacks, both old and current. 22 quarterbacks are going to be at this event, mm-hmm. but you won't get to see Luke Falk because the Miami Dolphins won't let it happen. <laughs> and uh, and I don't think Luke Falk, I think he was interested, but I mean, he's in a very important time in his career yeah, right now with yeah. the departure of Ryan Tannehill. He has the opportunity to become the starting quarterback for the Dolphins, but you will get to see legends like Ryan Leaf, Drew Bledsoe, Connor Holiday. And of course, Garner Minshew. So this is kind of the schedule for this uh, Q quarterback classic. From 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., all WSU fans are welcome to interact with the WSU quarterbacks prior to tea time. And I get that, you know, some of the older Kook fans will want to, you know, talk with the quarterbacks that they grew up on, uh, you know, guys that are legends in the in WSU program. But I think that Minshew is just going to be swarmed at an event like this. He is a legit national celebrity right now. Yeah, I think he'll probably he'll definitely attract a lot of attention. I think I'm excited to see uh how people react to Ryan Leaf. And I I know a lot of WSU fans ha- have really kind of, you know, since he has, you know, cleaned gotten up. his act together and cleaned up, that people have really jumped back on board with him. But, you know, there's still always the one or the two, you know, who just who just don't can't seem to get on board. And I I don't want to say something's going to go wrong. He's an old I just, man. I, He's an old man I just, man I just don't <laughs> think, you? I, yeah, no, I don't think, I don't think anything could, like, could get too far out of hand because I, I know Ryan Leaf is is very reserved now and, and kind of he deals with a lot of people, you know, screaming, oh, bust at him and stuff like that. And he kind of just, he can, he can roll with those punches these days. But I, you know, it's I'd hope that, I'd hope event. that, yeah, I know, I know. go lucky. Exactly. Raising and money I, and. I hope, I, you know, but you know, golf tournaments, alcohol is involved. Yeah. yeah. Things I, happen. It's like a high school reunion and you had an old rivalry with a, a petty rivalry with somebody <laughs> and you come back and you, you continue. It's like, what? No, yeah. we're, we're old now. <laughs> Ryan, yeah. Ryan Lee's, no. uh, Ryan Lee's a family guy now. He's, he's trying to do good things right now. So. 
and and all these quarterbacks are literally going to this event on their own dime. You know, the, the, the organizers of this event aren't paying for travel or hotels or anything like that. So Ryan Leaf wants to be there. He wants to help yeah. out the WC. Program, no, I mean so. it sounds it sounds like a a fun event. And you know what I thought it was interesting. Like, so what is the first tip off? Uh, first tee off time like noon? Yeah, it's at twelve. And like to me, very casual, I guess. You know, like you. you oh, you you think most, it would start at like nine a.m. or something? Yeah, like that? Like yeah. Earlier, yeah. That's I mean, most golf. But we got time kind to of kill like golf Jackson. pro-ams, kind of. Is all we're doing today is playing yeah. golf and hanging out. Which I, you know, I could get behind that. Well, to me, screw the twenty five hundred golf fee. All I really needed was to meet Garner Minshew. So if I met him, why the hell would I down to Pullman? He's 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 around. Well. This, I mean, why would, why would I want? Well, the, I, like, if I can meet all the WSU quarterbacks, why would I want to uh, golf with them as well? What? Why would you not want to golf with them? Because it's twenty five hundred dollars, and the kind of the selling point of the event is that you get to hang out with some WSU quarterbacks. Twenty five hundred dollars split three ways, correct? Four ways, yeah. Four Every ways. group gets. So, I mean, is it one WSU quarterback per group of four? Like, do they all just move along together? And uh, I would. Th- what I would think it was because you play in like you play in fours, so you have like three guys, like WSU quarterback, three guys, you know. Or what three- if I get? What if I get a quarterback that's boring? Well, then that's your problem. <laughs> I wanted to go with Who, which one? <laughs> which one was going to be too boring for you? Huh? Uh, one of one of the no namers. One of the guys, oh, I started a year. Now I'm here. Well. I mean, not all, not all I need. WC I need a full. I need a legends. full list of the quarterbacks who are going to be in attendance in front of me. I don't. It's have It's not that all right of now. them, but there's, there's there's pretty much everybody. WCU has a lot of a lot of court a lot of good <laughs> quarterbacks, you know, who may have not all succeeded at you know the NFL level, but in the college game, they've got a lot of quarterbacks who've done well. Well, Gardner Minshew has to be wondering how he got to this point in his life where he's raising money for a football program that he probably knew nothing about growing up, and now all of a sudden he's uh, the focus. I bet he's had that moment a lot of times, actually, where he's like, "Absolutely, how did I get here? Absolutely, so, this is just an. <laughs> how did I get to the point of asking for a ride from Spokane to Pullman? <laughs> did he end up getting a ride from somebody? Do you know the like how he I, got? From I never to confirmed what happened there. I would imagine like a teammate or someone from the football staff picked him up. I like you'd think like they probably saw that as like, all right, that's funny, but like seriously, some we're gonna send someone to pick you up. <laughs> like we're you're not just getting in a car with a stranger. That's that's certainly not happening. Not on our watch. So proceeds from this uh fund will go to the Cougar Athletic Fund and the mm-hmm. quarterback U endowment and to the Linsky Hope Foundation. So if you're at this event and you ask somebody, like, do you think autographs are permitted? Do you think they care? If oh, you ask- absolutely. I think, yeah, for sure you can get autographs. Would if you're you- paying $2,500 <laughs> to go golf with these guys, you sure as hell better be able to get an autograph. So you get an autograph from a Garmin Minshew. Maybe you bring, like, a mini helmet, and he signs it. What do you think that's worth? Right now? Oh, I don't think it's worth that much. Because the thing is, we do, ha- do you think, you do you think the value, his value drops that much because he's not in a WCU uniform anymore? And he's not, yeah, he's not uh, doing all a little crazy bit. things on Saturdays. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, you 